Welcome to the Joyful Miles Podcast, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to enjoy life one mile at a time. And I am Chris Savio, guest hosting for you today. Hello, listeners. Um, and <laughs> I, I have it. with me, as always, Laura, who is uh, <laughs> who's who's kind of playing uh, playing wingman today. Say hello, Laura. Hi, everybody. Hi, Chris. And oh my goodness, if you all could see Chris right now, he has a little bouncing baby on his chest. He is the man, the dad, the podcaster with the baby. I love it. <laughs> dad, dadding it up today. Uh, and Jackie is taking taking a, a much needed uh, podcast off, but we do have a very special guest with us today, um, and that's uh, Bill. You may remember him from a few podcasts ago when he talked about running a 50k ultra, pure insanity. Uh, say hello, Bill. Hello. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah. So I'm helping out the the ladies today to do a little bit of the, the hosting gig and, and hearing from Bill about running the original marathon or out in Athens, Greece. Um, that some of you that are part of the Joyful Miles running group may have seen in Facebook um, with Bill always posting amazingly epic pictures from all over Europe and then obviously after this race. But um, maybe before we jump into talking about this, Bill, for those that maybe didn't listen to the previous podcast with you on, that you were on, can you give a little background on yourself? Um, you know, obviously you're, you're a military guy, but some of that and, and some of your running history and then we'll, we'll jump into the, the conversation at hand. Yeah, sure. So I'm an active duty uh, Army pilot. So I'm a, uh, I'm a standardization instructor pilot in the Apache helicopter. Uh, bounced all in the last 20 years of being in. I've moved around about nine, yeah, nine different duty stations in 20 years and uh, had several deployments on this deployment. I'm right now currently stationed in Fort Carson, Colorado, uh, which is where my family is. I'm, I'm in Germany right now, um, deployed on a mission called Atlantic Resolve. Uh, Atlantic Resolve, it's not like your regular combat deployments or anything like that. We're based out of Europe, but we're across all of the European theaters. So uh, Germany, Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, Greece, uh, all across the European theater. Uh, we're here, and instead of in a combat mission, we're actually here to really build readiness across our, our brigade and kind of increase the interoperability we've got with NATO allies in Europe. So I'm the... I'm the master gunner, which fortunately uh, has kept me bouncing around quite a quite a bit with the brigade uh, since since being here. I've spent uh, I've actually been able to either with work or play. And I think it's 12 total countries right now uh, in the last about six months. So, uh, and some of those have been multiple times. You know, I've been to Greece uh, a few times, which is what you know the majority of what we're going to talk about with, you know, with the, the marathon, the authentic marathon itself uh, took place. Uh, just got back from the Netherlands. I was in Liechtenstein, you know, the week before that in Switzerland, I've uh, been to France, uh, Normandy. That was an, an amazing uh, trip of mine. Uh, Romania spent a good week in Bucharest, Bulgaria between Sofia and out in really in the middle of nowhere in, in Bulgaria, London, I went there twice. Uh, that was a very fun trip. Czech Republic, Prague was the first place I actually got to go to. Uh, just got back from Dublin, Ireland, which was pretty important for me because I've got a very Irish South Boston family. Um, and Austria, I think this is the I think this is the last one outside of being in Germany now. Can I just say for everybody listening, awesome. first of all, um, thank you for your service very much. Thank you for your service. And can we just say wow? I mean, wow. That's like yes. Wow. <laughs> That's tremendous. Yeah. 
when I was leaving to go do this one, uh, you know, my wife and I discussed it, you know, the family stays back. We've had a lot of separations, you know, just being in the military, you know, pre global war on terrorism. So uh, you can imagine the, the time away from home that that comes with. Well, this was the first time really uh, in my, in my 20 years in the army where I've been afforded the opportunity to, you know, quote unquote, see the world. And, uh, we, we talked about it before going and she said, take, you know, take every opportunity you can to, to see what you can. Uh, cause every other time I've left the country, it's been for purposes of, you know, war for that matter of combat. So, uh, so this was one of the opportunities really to, to see it and, uh, hopefully I've got another, I've got a few weeks or so left here and hopefully I've got maybe one or two more countries left in, left in me before I get out of here. But, uh, we're quickly coming to a close and the only country that matters right now is just getting back to America and the family. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. So for those that aren't in the joyful miles, uh, Facebook group, uh, as we were saying, Bill's posted some pretty amazing pictures, whether it's the Normandy ones or the ones from France or when you were in Germany, and or, or Greece, all of them of just, you know, jealous bucket list travel locations. And as Laura said, thank you uh, so much for all the, the years and time and effort you've kind of put in for, for this country. And, you know, that, that you're kind of getting a little uh, little world tour out of it here at the end is a, is a nice reward, I guess. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been pretty great. Um, my, I came here with the anticipation. One of the things I always like doing with running, just to get my background in running, I started out uh, really getting kind of serious about running, I would say, maybe, maybe five years ago. Uh, and the seriousness would really kind of peaked at half marathon, but the, the ultimate goal was to get into the ultra running trail, uh, trail scene. And, uh, I have always looked at opportunities to run, uh, and travel. So we always like traveling to different locations to do races, which is, you know, one of the things that would bring me back to Florida and do a dis. I, I grew up an hour away from Disney and, and getting there was, uh, and running through it, Disney was a big part of our lives. My wife and I honeymooned at Disney and uh, getting to run through it was good. So we've made it a point to travel to different locations. Uh, and each one of the countries I've visited with exception to Liechtenstein, because it was so tiny, we didn't really, we just more or less drove through it, saw a couple sites and then got over to Switzerland. Uh, each one of the countries, I always looked at it as a opportunity to travel to it, get to run through the country and say, not only did I, you know, get to go there, but I to actually run through it. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been pretty neat getting to log some miles in each one of those places as well. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and I mean, I think, uh, you know, if, if you haven't listened to the, the ultra podcast a few months ago, uh, go back and listen to, to Bill's journey on that. It was pretty crazy. Um, something that I don't know if I could get myself up to, but may, maybe give it a go in some point. But, uh, uh, as we said at the beginning, what we wanted to talk about today is obviously one of these uh, amazing European locations and races that I think are on some bucket list for many people. Uh, the Authentic Marathon in, in Athens, Greece, which is kind of running the you know original marathon course, if you think about it, uh, from many, many years ago. Um, so, so first tell us a little bit, you know, was this kind of a bucket list race, something that popped up opportunistically in your training, or, or how'd you decide to do this one, Bill? Yeah, this one just kind of popped up out of nowhere. Honestly, we were going to be doing the Amsterdam Marathon. Um, and this was being coordinated before I even left America to head to Europe. My uh, my best friend of the last, oh man, it's got to be 16 years now. He's, he's here with me and he was kind of coordinating things with the unit. Uh, we're in the same unit now and said, uh, 
hey, we're looking at doing a marathon. It's going to be the Amsterdam Marathon. So I was gearing up to, to do that. And I was still in pretty good shape because I had just finished up, you know, uh, the 50K. And I said, yeah, absolutely. I want to I wanna do whatever races I can, I can be there for. Another one, one I missed actually was the, uh, the Berlin Marathon, which is the same place the world record was just broken. Uh, I didn't, I honestly didn't know it was going on or I would have been there because it's only, uh, you know, a few hour train ride from where I'm at. Uh, I just missed it. Uh, that and honestly it ended up being a little bit close to the, the Athens marathon. So maybe good thing I missed it, but, uh, he, he contacted me probably a week before I left to come here and said, Hey, we're not doing Amsterdam. We're going to do the Greece marathon, you know, the, the authentic marathon. And the second I heard that I said, okay, that's a way better idea. We have to do, if you're going to do one, do the original. So it's, uh, the, the route of it is loosely based off of the, you know, the original marathon. I, I, I think it was uh, Theodipides, um where he, he made the run. Everything that the marathon is actually based off of, uh, but it is supposedly, you know, the exact route of the first Olympics where they did the marathon. Wow. Um, and he said, he said, sign up for it. So I rushed to the computer, uh, found the website, signed up got everything registered. And then from there, it was really uh, sustaining and, and maintaining, you know, my current physical condition in order to, to do it. And it was in November, I forget the exact day in November, but uh, mid November timeframe. And it was the last thing we did, we came back from it. And then I went right into the field and spent a bunch of time in the, out in the woods, you know, separated from civilization, but it was that last hurrah before, before going in there. Not that's uh that's great and uh, yeah i mean that's that's kind of cool that it that switched and I, i've heard good things about the amsterdam marathon too but like you said for for all of a sudden it kind of to pivot to this is is pretty cool um so so i guess so you said kind of november time frame you know for training wise you you did a 50k you know not three and a half months before that so you already kind of had the foundation uh of of, of you know uh background on there from from a running perspective or a maintaining, I guess, your mileage. Um, so I guess maybe let's start from the, from the beginning of this. So coming into it, uh, November, you know, before actually getting there and showing up, can you give a little bit of kind of the, the, the travel in and out of there, uh, you know, logistics wise for those that maybe think about this in the future, what's the setup for that, you know, out in, in the Athens area? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and even in the training side of it as well, I, I made a decision on this one. Um, and it was kind of a, an error in my part, but my, like I said, my best friend is there. And one of his goals was always to run a sub four hour marathon. Uh, I knew I was, I was in that kind of shape and I said, okay, I can, we can do that. In fact, I'll pace you trying to keep him on that, that sub four pace. So when I registered for it, I actually registered and said, Hey, put me in the same corral as him. He wouldn't be able to be based off of my proof of time from before he wouldn't be able to be as far forward as I was. Um, and that we'll talk about it later, but that actually ended up being a mistake because he got, uh, he was injured for a while. So his training pretty much hit bottom and then he knew that, okay, I'm not going to get a sub four. Um, and that's when I decided, all right, I feel, I feel really good. I'm running really, really well. I ran my fastest half, which was like a 140 uh, half. And, uh, I said, you know what? I can, I can PR this thing. And if, if you ever, you know, run with me, the, the last thing I'm ever thinking about anymore, honestly, is times for crossing the finish line. I just want to really enjoy the experience 
put in the miles for training and everything and do well with it. But I, I don't try to get too, too concerned. But this time I went into it saying, all right, I want to PR it. And I had that number in there being about a three hour and 40 minute goal. Um, so training wise, or excuse me, travel wise, we set it up and we went into, uh, we flew into Athens, which is really where you have to fly into. And uh, we, there was a large group of us. There was about, I think there were seven guys. We all, we all went together and we got a Airbnb in Athens. So got to the Airbnb and, and I'll tell you right now, uh, traveling in Europe and, and by tra- really, I should say driving in Europe is a whole different animal than anything that, that you're used to. We, we drove into Athens at about, Oh, I think getting to the Airbnb, it had to have been six or yeah, six, six thirty at night. And my goodness, it was, it's crazy. The roads, when, when you think of these ancient, ancient towns, they, the road systems are built around structures that have been there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands of years in some of these places. I mean, look at the, you know, the Acropolis area that, that is ancient as it gets. Um, so driving through these things and going up and down hills, it, uh, it was nuts. And we got to the Airbnb and said, okay, we're never driving again while we're here. And we just took taxis and Ubered, uh, from the rest for the rest of the time without ever asking and, uh, left the car there, stayed in the Airbnb and then, uh, and then went to the, uh, the expo the next morning. So we didn't have a ton of time, mm-hmm. uh, before having to go right into kind of race mode and, and hit the expo. So I guess on, on that point, and, and that's, you know, very interesting. It's always, I've, I, I rarely ever like to drive around European cities. I've traveled a little bit and I avoid it uh, as best I could. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story one time I was trying to drive through Spain that was uh, comical at best. But um, so, so, okay, so you go there, you got your B&B, you're set up with, with transport now, you know that you're just going to Uber back and forth. So expo day. So tell us a little bit about an expo for, for a race like this. You know, does it go all out like a lot of the one stateside or uh, a little more laid back? No, it was pretty big. Uh, we woke up that morning, took a taxi over to the, uh, the expo and um, Greece itself had a economic collapse back in 2009. And you can really see it across the, across the country. Um, we took the, the taxi and honestly that was really the greatest deal because I think it only cost us about 10 euro from our Airbnb to get to the expo which was a steal uh, to get to get all of us there the the expo itself uh, one thing that I always got concerned about going to the different uh, countries I'm fairly decent with uh, the Latin based languages the romance languages uh, I can get around in you know ones that are that are based off of that but when you start talking Greek yeah, it's all Greek to me. So, uh, but um, so, um do, do you have some yeah. kind of rim shot there, Laura? We can stick in. <laughs> I will find one just for that. Yeah, write that one down. You want it for later. I'm but, uh, uh, but I was concerned. I said, you know, I wonder, I wonder what it's going to be like at the expo. It was, it wasn't even a concern at all. The the English speaking population there is actually really, really uh, surprising. Uh, and honestly, across a lot of Europe, it's very surprising because these countries are so darn close to each other. Uh, English is still the universal language in, in a lot of these places. There's, uh, at worst case, I've got Google Translate on my phone, which if you if you go anywhere, it doesn't even hurt to have it on your phone, you know, in in America, because there's something that 
you need to see. So I had Greek downloaded, you know, I've got Dutch, German, Spanish, all these other places that I could potentially go. So I can always have a quick and easy way to, uh, to look at it. But, uh, English speaking population was really good. Um, we got all of our stuff. The size of the expo, I would say is, I'd say it's about roughly half the size of maybe the marathon weekend. Uh, at Disney, okay. uh, maybe maybe two thirds of the size. It, it was it was a pretty darn good size, without a doubt. Uh, one yeah, of the differences, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the differences, I think they they kind of pack the vendors in a little bit tighter than what you might see at Disney. So the rows aren't aren't going to be quite as wide to walk through in certain areas, um, but they still had a lot of pretty pretty big names there. Um, you know, Under Armour was there. New Balance, all the major shoe places uh, were there. On was there, and uh, they a pretty good amount of amount of stuff, you know, without a doubt. Did you did uh, did you did you get any swag or anything kind of interesting or unique from from this expo that that you hadn't seen in the past? Uh, honestly, I didn't. The only thing that I I, I don't buy a lot of the. Uh, the unique stuff for different races. I mean, I, they always, you always get a shirt. So you know, I got the shirt to go along with it. That's given to you. And for the most part, I don't, I don't usually get a lot of other stuff because I just find that I don't really wear it uh, when I'm training or running or something like that. I'm very particular about what I'm, what I'm wearing. So it, it doesn't get used all that much. The one thing I did buy, uh, I bought another uh, kind of running jacket mainly because the weather was rapidly starting to, uh, get colder back here in Germany, which is where the majority of my my training was taking place. And I I didn't have the gear I felt that I really needed to start getting into the colder colder climates. And I needed to maintain because as soon as I get back, my my race schedule just takes off like a like a rocket. I've got a huge race schedule coming up this year, and I, I have to show up in America really in ultra marathon condition. So I can't I couldn't stop in the in the winter. So I bought a racing jacket. And that was really about it. Um, plus, we also had to think about it too. We weren't going back to the Airbnb between leaving the expo and you know the the one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to see the Acropolis and go to the Parthenon and everything like that. So anything that we bought, we were going to be carrying it with us. So I didn't want to honestly walk around Greece or Athens itself mm-hmm. carrying a bunch of bags with me either. Yeah, no. That so that's actually what I was going to ask is. You know, how did you juggle? Because I feel like you go and travel for a lot of these international races and, you know, you want to go out and see sites and stuff like that. So the expo was the, the day before or two days before the race? Uh, the day the before. Time you go? The day before. Okay. So then after the expo, um, you know, how much sightseeing did you do? How many, how many more steps did you, did you decide to throw in there prior to the actual race? Way more than, I've, than I felt we should have. Um, <laughs> So my, my primary goal for Athens, I, I'd been to Greece, you know, before that, but we spent the majority of the time in Thessaloniki and Volos, um, which are, Volos is about two and a half, three hours north of Athens. And, uh, but that was my first time in Athens. I said, it's a, it's a failure if I, one, don't finish the marathon, and if I don't see the Acropolis. So, so we left, and I, and I left with a, a plan. I'm like, Okay, that's it, guys. I'll tell all seven of us is like we're going to the Acropolis. We're not having a discussion. This is where you do whatever you want. I'm going here. Um, so we all we all went, and I mean that was you know absolutely fascinating to see. But uh, we finished up, and we had been walking around. You climb up the hill and everything to go to the Acropolis, and 
and see everything. And it's breathtaking to just to be there and see the history of what you're standing in. Um, but when we finished up, we actually went back to the, I think it's pronounced the Panathetic, uh Stadium, which is where the marathon itself finished because they all wanted to, you know, find, okay, if we get separated, we're going to meet here. And it just kept taking longer and longer. And we had been, I'd been on my feet for probably 14 hours at that point. And I said, uh, all right, guys, because then they wanted to mull and go other. Yeah, they wanted to mull over stuff and, and go here and go there. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like, guys, trip. I'm, I'm probably the more experienced, you know, runner in the group. I was the more experienced runner in the group. And I told them, I said, all right, guys, we have got to get home and get off our feet. Please do not forget that you're about to run 26.2 miles tomorrow. And what you do now is uh, is going to dramatically impact that. Not everybody in the group was running the marathon. We had some guys that were doing the, the 5K. And I was like, hey, guys, 5K, it's three miles. I've got 26.2. We need to get. <laughs> so so we finally went back for the night. Um, but I still got to see, you know, everything that I wanted to. Really, like I said, just seeing the, uh, the Acropolis was the number one goal for the tourism portion of it. That would be, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got some envy going on. That would be just absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was it, it was stunning uh, to be there. Um, just nice. the history behind it is is absolutely incredible, and you actually got to stand there, you know, right next to it. Uh, there's still a lot of uh, you know construction and other stuff like that going around the Parthenon as they try to keep up updating and keeping it you know together. But uh, to just be there and then look down and see the uh, you know, the different, uh, Athena's our temple and everything like that. It's, uh, it's very well preserved and, uh, but it was just an honor just to actually see it and be there. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's definitely a, a bucket list to have wanted to get to Greece and the Greek islands a lot. So that's awesome to, to, to hear that it's as amazing as some people would, uh, anticipate. Um, so, so night before you went back, did you, did you fill up on, you know, any feta cheese and, and hummus or, or anything like that the night before? Or? <laughs> no, the, the first night we had a, a, a traditional, you know, Greek, Greek dinner. We walked over to a, to a restaurant, had a really good dinner. Um, the night before it, it took us so long to get back. And don't forget, like I said, anywhere that we were going, we were going to have to walk it or, or Uber. And at that point, or just wanted to get off our feet. So oddly enough, we just ordered Domino's and had it delivered to us so that we wouldn't have to move around anymore. And, and that was it. So we just had some pizza beforehand and then, uh, yeah, so that we wouldn't be up late cause we would have had to walk to a restaurant and that would have been another, you know, couple hour plus ordeal. Um, restaurant experiences in Europe are vastly different than what you get in America. It is a, it is not a 45 minute event. It is a two to three hour deal. And it, uh, there's no, there's no rush to, you know, to get you through your meal. So that's one of the things that we had to take into account. Yeah, it's an experience, right? I mean, dining there is, is a part of life in your, your normal day to day. So I, I have nothing, I have nothing against that. I'm, I'm completely in agreement with that approach. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's completely ruined the restaurant experience for me back in America because it's, uh, you'd be hard pressed to go to a chain restaurant outside of, you know, a fast food place. Um, mm-hmm. There's McDonald's and Burger King and Kentucky Fried Chicken, surprisingly enough, is almost as prolific here as anything else. <laughs> but uh, it, it it's just very different feeling, slower. You go in and they expect you to be there for the night. There's not a rush. You know, they, they never come and leave the bill as that indicator, hey, pack it up, 
you know, dude, get moving. We have people it, waiting, uh, move, move. Yeah, it is not that at all. You sit down with the group and you're there until you're darn well getting ready to leave and there's no rush whatsoever. Actually sounds very lovely. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty good. So, um, so before we get into kind of the day of and, and the logistics kind of before the race, um, I'm sure that you kind of looked at the, the layout and map elevation, et cetera, uh, of the course beforehand. So what was the, where was the course run through, you know, how did it look from Hills or, or things like that? So it starts in, uh, obviously in marathon or marathonist, um, and you work your way from marathon. So it's not an out and back. It's not a loop. There's nothing like that. You go from marathon and you end 26.2 miles away in the Pantheon uh, theater not theater, but uh, stadium. And the, uh, the elevation was somewhat daunting and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about why in a second. Um, one of the, one of the very interesting things uh, we found out after the fact is you go through the towns of uh, Mati and Rafina, which I think it was in 2018. There was a very, uh, uh, there was a very bad fire, which killed a good 25 people. Uh, injured another hundred or so and just really ripped through. It was kind of a somewhat of a resort area uh, outside of Athens. And uh, the, the route, one thing I was surprised about was that the, it didn't go by a lot of the, you know, the historical landmarks. Like you didn't end up going right by the Parthenon or something, uh, something like that. You ended in the theater, which is cool. Um, or not the, I keep saying theater, the stadium. Uh, which is which was really cool, but a lot of the the stuff like the Acropolis and everything you don't really get to see it uh, throughout. I think the you go by the U.S. Embassy and that's that's almost about it. And then the elevation wise, when you when you start uh, and look at the elevation, you have a little bit of a decline, and then a bit of an incline, and then you decline a little bit until about mile i think it was mile 11 and then you start a 10 mile climb from miles 11 to 21 and it's oh my goodness it a, oh, wow <laughs> it is a non-stop incline from miles 11 to 21 all right um, i've just crossed this one off the bucket list <laughs> yep so um, and doing uh, this what was the weather like while you were doing this so in the morning it was pretty cool uh we left and i would say it was roughly uh 50 degrees or so um, which is honestly the perfect running weather for me. Uh, I would anywhere between 45 and 50 is exactly where I want to be on a race. Um, but it throughout it very quickly warmed up. And by the end, I think we got up between 70 and 75, which is way hot for me on wow. a, uh, on a run. So it started, uh, it started after daybreak. It, you know, it wasn't a super early morning. I mean, it was full post, you know, sunrise, uh, so the temperatures and everything quickly started to, to come up without a doubt. Um, and then from miles 21 through 26, really, then you're downhill the rest of the way into Athens. Um, okay. which so at least that's nice of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I looked at the elevation and, and really tried to come up with a race plan and I said, all right, if I can keep this, then maybe I'd be able to pick up the pace on that last five miles or so. But you got to remember, too, 21 miles into it with a 10-mile climb in there. Um, I wasn't able to get quite to the pace I wanted. I, I ended – once I started downhill, I was holding at 8.30 uh, pace, and I was finishing up in 8, 8.07, 8.08 miles uh, on the rest of the way down. But I was really surprised that that 10-mile 
climb took a, took a heck of a lot out of me. And, and something I think people might actually uh, help their training with. We do, a, we always talk about doing hill training and, and, you know, climbing and building the strength and everything uh, in your legs and helping you gain more power and gain more speed as you're, as you're training for whatever race it is you might be doing. But look at the, uh, the elevation profile of the races you're doing and don't forget downhill training. You work a completely different set of muscle muscles uh, in your legs. The most pain my legs have ever been in was from, uh, from the uh, bar trail mountain race in Colorado, where it's, it's a half marathon. You go, half of it is straight up the side of the mountain to the bar camp. And then you turn around, you run down the mountain. And I thought my legs were permanently disabled after that because the quads and everything, if you're not used to working them, Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to, you're going to be in a, in a pain cave you know, on the yeah. way down because you're working a completely different set. And it, uh, I, I definitely felt it. I'm actually more uncomfortable yeah. running downhill. I'm more comfortable running uphill than down. A lot of people are. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's a really important point you bring up. And I, I think my favorite types of courses are ones that have uphill, downhill and, and flat, and they constantly vary because at least then you're, you're firing different muscles along the way. Like a race that's all downhill, all uphill, or all flat is going to start to to weigh on those same muscles over and over again. So some uh, some rolling hills and stuff like that are nice. Yeah, if it's if it's constant rolling hills, then you know just hill training is probably you know, enough. But when you have long long downhills or long uphills, uh, that's when it really really ticks because you're up up constant up and down. You're firing different muscles at you know on and off, on and off, on and off. But when you do 10 straight miles of up or you do 10 straight miles of down, you're going to, you know, you're going to wear those muscles out. And that's really when, that, when, when you start feeling yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. So, um, a hundred percent. Uh, so, so morning of, so you said kind of set the, set the stage a little bit. What was the, the crowd like, um, you know, was it, uh, seated beforehand or play, you know, self seating from a corral standpoint, what was the, the setup kind of pre-race? Yep. So, um, since you, you start and finish in different locations, really about the only way to get to the, the start line is they, they've got actually, it's actually a pretty well coordinated bus system uh, because it picks you up in Athens and it drops you off 26 miles later in marathon. And, um, you can take a taxi to it. In fact, I, I knew of some guys who, who did the race and they had to take a taxi because they missed the bus but they close off roads like crazy. So if you're not on that bus system, after the bus gets there, you've got a very real chance of the roads being closed off and you not being able to make it. So we woke up early, got on the, uh, got on the bus and the whole way there, it's, it's really kind of neat because they give you the background of the, the route that you're doing. Um, they do it in both Greek and English. So we, we were able to understand everything that they were talking about. And they said, you know, Hey, this is the Olympic one. It takes you, uh, the pretty much the exact same path that they did uh, for the Olympics and uh, talked about the runner's forest. So when we got to the, uh, the start area where you get dropped off at the buses, you walk through and they say, pick up your, uh, it's a green, pretty much headband and, uh, or a buff is what it is. Mm -hmm. And they asked that between, you know, these certain miles, I think it's, uh, or kilometers, it was kilometers 12 through 16. Uh, That's when you're going through the burned, uh, the place I talked about with the fire and they said, Hey, put the, uh, put the buff on, uh, it's green. All of the trees and everything have been burned out from there. So we were going to 
they were doing something called the forest of runners. Uh, and they said, wear it through that showing your support for, for really the loss of those, of those villages. You know, like I said, 25 people were killed and several others were injured and, uh, running through, it was actually even more surprising when I go through the route itself. Um, it, it was, it was pretty interesting because I mean, you can see the devastation that, that they went through. Um, the buses got there and you, we had about an hour, maybe a little over an hour before the race actually started. So you walked over, uh, picked up your stuff. They had a drop bag area. I didn't drop anything. Um, I had a jacket on, but I actually ran this one in my hydration vest. Um, mainly cause I decided one, I didn't know what they were going to have for water or anything like that. Uh, I didn't know what the, um, the nutrition stuff was going to be. So I, I did all my training in my hydration vest. So I said, you know what, I'm just, I did my training in it. I'm not changing anything. I'm going with what I know. So I had a uh, tailwind in the front and I had just regular water in the back for hydration and, and fuel. Um, that, and I was able to just throw my jacket in the back because at, even if it's 70 degrees outside, when you get a wind and you just got through running, your body temperature starts plummeting when you're done running. So it was nice to finish the race, pull my jacket out and have it ready to go. Um, but we got there and it was, there was about, the race sold out. I think there was 18,500 runners. Um, oh, that's a good size. Nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, abso- absolutely. It was. And I was, I remember kind of laughing. Um, as soon as the buses stopped, everybody ran for this one little parking area and I saw more bare butts in, in one parking lot because I mean, there was no shame. People did not care. They were changing right there. Uh, just peeing out in the open. It was, it, it was a, it was a show to be seen without a doubt. And, uh, everybody was changing. Then we walked our way, did dropped out the drop bags got, and just waited around for a little while. It was still pretty chilly. We were just wanting the sun to get up so it could start, you know, warming us up a little bit while we waited for the, uh, for the corrals. There was a kind of a stadium area that you were able to wait around in that was lined around the track with porta johns. Um, they had a lot of the Kenyan runners there that were warming up. So that was pretty neat to see them running through. And of course they were going to just destroy anybody else that was there. Uh, time-wise <laughs> they did really well. Cool, intimidating, whatever you want to call it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, their, their warm-up pace is probably, you know, twice as fast as my, you know, my marathon pace, but uh, they're out, they're out warming up and we waited around and used the bathroom. Uh, bathrooms I think are one of the things that, they underestimated because there's 18,500 people. And I don't know that you can ever have enough porta johns and that became an absolute horror show, uh, all, all the way through the, the actual race itself, you know, with the, the different bathroom stops that they had along the race. I didn't have to stop. Thank God. Uh, because it was, uh, it was quite disgusting. Uh, the way it ended up, my, my best friend talked, I mean, just, you can imagine it being stacked above, the, the yeah it was horrible uh all right yeah, <laughs> yeah i would i would use those trees too okay <laughs> yeah, that's yeah what right people were doing that, that's exactly what people were doing so they would go they would just bypass the porta johns and then they're peeing in somebody's yard uh for that matter and i mean men women it didn't matter there was no shame they just went for it and fortunately i i didn't have to go the entire time um and and made it the whole way through without having to Sub- subject myself to that, but I can't say the same for a lot of other people. 
Oh, oh man, brutal. Oh, so, uh, so corral, corral set up. So, did uh, did they have you kind of get pre-put into corrals on pace before, or did you guys just decide where you wanted to go, or? Nope. There's a there are corrals. You send them proof, or you told them what your 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 marathon time uh, would be. Um, so I told them what my marathon time would be, but I, like I said, I requested to be in the same corral as my, as my best friend. So that where I would have been in my corral two, uh, I requested to be with him, which put me in, I think it was corral seven. Uh, and I immediately paid the price for that after he, uh, like I said, he was injured for a while. So he wasn't able to train like, uh, like he needed to in order to get that sub four. Um, and then I decided that, okay, I'm going for a PR on this one. So I spent the first, the first mile was my second slowest mile of the entire, of the entire race because I was, I was weaving and bobbing and trying to get, uh, get between people until I caught up really with where I would have been, uh, otherwise. Um, and then it was, a, then it was just moving around. Well, one thing I don't, I don't want to cut you off there. I apologize, but that's always something that I struggle with on races that I'm trying to PR. It's like, you know, that you're going to pay for that at the end the bobbing and weaving. So it's one of those, do you just kind of eat the minute slower or two minutes slower that you're going to be? Do you bob and weave? And I've, I don't know. I think I, I, I've seen mixed results <laughs> on myself because you kind of that lateral movement and stuff does, does pay, pay, uh, pay later. But if you're losing two or three minutes at the, for the first two miles anyway, what's the difference, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The, uh, the first mile was, was a slow one. I think that one was an eight fifty one for me. Um, and, that honestly might have helped me a little bit because it forced me to slow down instead of take off like a bat out of the hill, uh, like like I customarily want to do. Uh, but I looked down and and I saw the pace that I was holding on my on my Garmin. I said, "All right, I know what pace I need." Like I said, three forty was the ultimate goal. I said, "I know what pace I need in order to hit that," and it had to be right around an eight fifteen. So my next mile was an eight oh two, and then an eight oh three, and then I was holding you know, much faster, uh, than, than I needed to, cause I felt I needed to make up the time. Uh, and, and everything was actually going, going pretty well. Um, but to make up that difference, if I could have just come out of the gate at an eight fifteen, eight twenty or so, uh, being somewhat conservative with it, then, then I would have been probably been okay. But that, that first mile might've actually been somewhat of a benefit to me because no matter how hard I try, I always get race fever mm-hmm. and you know, the gun goes off and you, you just feel the, the need to, to just take off. Um, but mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of weaving to get around and I, it didn't really open up for me until about mile, probably mile five or six. And then I was able to, to not be kind of boxed in as much as I, as much as I wanted to. What were they very strict about corral placement? I would say no, because there were people that I was passing in that were marked off for corral two that were definitely not corral two times. I mean, in no world would they have ever been uh, corral two times and that, and that created more, more problems. So um, I, I'm not one of the elitist runners or anything like that um, who, who gets frustrated with somebody or anything as I'm passing them. Uh, but, you know, I, I implore people don't, don't choose a corral just because you want to, you want to start earlier or something like that. Cause it really does impact people behind you looking for times or something like that, or, or running uh, another one is running abreast across, you know, the entire route with, you know, eight people that are all running together, something like that. you you block people off and there's a lot of, there's a lot of that going on as well. But, um, 
I don't, I don't think they, they paid too much attention to where you went mm-hmm. uh, based off of your corral area. However, I do believe that they, uh, they, weren't, they weren't really researching proofs of time or anything like that. If you said you were going to do it in this, this time, they just gave it to you. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, um, so gun goes off. Uh, you're starting from seven instead of two. And so the first few miles um, gave a little background there and, and, and cleared up. So where, you know, so, so then kind of walk us forward from, you know, after, after the start and the gun goes off, um, maybe, you know, three, four miles into it, start talking us through a little bit of the, the course and the setup and, uh, you know, your, your kind of, uh, so you're keeping an 803 pace there, which is kind of nice. So probably up to mile 11, you, you were holding that. So give us a little background of those first few miles or a couple dozen kilometers if we're going to go European style here. Yeah. Sure. Um, so like I said, I started in, in like an 850 on that first one, then picked up the pace. And then after I got the 802, 805 or so, and I said, okay, I'm pretty much back to the pace that I, that I need to hold. And then from there, I was, I was really consistent holding between a, like an 810 and an 820 for each consecutive mile, all the way up until about mile, up until the incline. Once I hit that incline, then it was, okay, holy crap, this, uh, and, and I knew it too, because I, I really studied the elevation data and I knew that once I began it, you know, there's no, there was going to be no respite until I hit the, the apex of that, uh, of that hill. And uh, then I kind of throttled back a little bit in hopes that I would be able to pick up or make up some of the time on the downhill. Um, we got to the, to that 12 to 16 kilometer area, which is where you went through the, uh, Mati and Rafina, the, the fire area. And, uh, that was, that was really kind of shocking because you go through it. Like as soon as you hit that fire, area, you know, exactly where you are. They had a big green arch saying, Hey, put on your, your green buff now. Um, and uh, you, you ran through it and the people of the town actually lined the, the, the marathon course. And they were, wow. they were, they were clapping you along and bravo, bravo, uh, the whole time. Uh, the Greeks that were there, you know, they were running with raised, raised arms and in support of them and everything. But uh, they were, they were very, very um, uh, great people as they, as they cheered you through. And you looked at, you, you just looked at the destruction. I mean, no trees left. The houses are pretty much burned out. You look at the road signs which lined the road. The fire got so hot it burned the road signs off. So. There'd just wow. be a blank, a blank charred sign uh, sitting through there. Um, there were some loops and everything that you would kind of do, or really sort of more of an out and back. So you would kind of follow it around and then come back in and then pick up the route again. Um, mm-hmm. But it was uh, the, the first, the first six miles were, were probably of the easier ones because you had, you had some decline in there and then the inclines that were there were much more gentle. Uh, without a doubt, and then a slight decline until you hit that 11, that 11 mile point. And then, like I said, from 11 to 21, then you just had a, had a constant climb the whole way up. So I pretty much just said, okay, embrace the, embrace the suck. You're going to be climbing for a while. <laughs> you're you're going to be climbing That's an attitude, for a while. good attitude to have, right? You got to know, know what's, uh, what, what you're in for and just kind of accept it and, and push through. Just roll with it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, what was the so, so prior to getting to, to, to the suck part, <laughs> what were the 
Yeah, what, what did it like? What were you running through? Was it just kind of neighborhoods? Was it empty fields? Was there much of you know support as far as kind of spectators or stuff like that for the uh, the early part of the first half of the race? It was hit and miss. Um, it, it was definitely all neighborhoods. I mean, they were they were four lane roads pretty much the entire way, um, and the spectators and everything would really you'd, you'd have some gaps without maybe some houses on the side, and there wouldn't be anything much for for spectators and then you would hit a little bit more urban area and it would be lined again with uh, a very surprising amount of uh, spectators and family members that would be out there. Uh, and, and it was pretty neat going through there and, you know, the Greeks out there in each, in, in each town there to support you. And like I said, they're, they're all yelling, you know, bravo, bravo in, in Greek to you. Um, and you, you continue through it. Um, and then you hit a dead point again and then, and then it would go right back into another little town. So this four lane highway would just, just like we have everywhere else, it would have points of uh, fairly urban and then points where not a whole lot and not a whole lot of spectators. The uh, one thing I thought that was kind of crazy was, so the first, the first water stop was 5k into it, I think. And then after that, it was every one and a half or two kilometers, they'd have a water stop. One thing I've never seen before was the water uh, that that you got it wasn't in little cups you got full bottles of water oh my goodness wow yep and there was a lot of water stops so the first one we passed by you would have thought it had just poured down rain because you're getting a whole <laughs> whole 16 ounce bottle of water oh my goodness and people are yeah it's it's not even the little water bottles it's a 16 ounce bottle of water and uh people uh, get it and, you know, wow. they get whatever they could and then they just they'd launch it and you've the sides of the roads are, are danger areas. I'm telling you. Are flooded. Uh, this is what I was almost wondering. Like sometimes you have to dodge people throwing those little eight ounce cups where you're just dodging giant water bottles flying. Yeah. yeah. And so I got the first one. I was, uh, I was like, what the heck is happening here? This, why do I have a full water bottle on me? Um, and by the end, when it really started heating up, then it was almost kind of a, a, a blessing because I had more water where I could, I, I could, take some pulls off of it and get some water in my body. But then it heated up so much. I was able to just dump uh, water down my back or over my head and just trying to, uh, to cool my body down. Um, but, yeah. but yeah, it, I've, I've never seen full 16 ounce, 16 ounce bottles. Did they I, don't even, I don't even know what I would do. Yeah. I, I would have to just hold it for the, for like, you know, five miles and just sip off of that. Cause I would feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause you shouldn't take that much, you know, you should probably be taking, you know, three, maybe four ounces, you know, at the water stops. Like there's people chugging full 16 ounce bottles along the way. I can see why a lot of the Porter Johns were probably clogged up the rest of the yeah. way. Well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, it, it was, it was pretty, it was definitely pretty bizarre. Um, and like I said, it, it was good halfway through it or so when it really started warming up, it was good for me because I was, I was able to dump it and cool my body down. Uh, and that really helped, I think, drive me through it quite a bit. Um, but probably would have been okay with like the little mini water bottles if it had to be a right. bottle in general. Um, but there was some other, every now and then they'd have some other options. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't like noon or anything, uh, but it was some sort of electrolyte drink which I didn't need. I had, uh, I brought salt pills with me. So I was able to mm -hmm. pop one of those about every 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, cause I was sweating quite a bit with the heat and everything coming up. So I planned on that just to help, uh, just to help stop some of the potential cramping that would come along yeah. with, 
the yeah, Laura sorry. and I uh, are, are of the salt salt pill camp um, yep. as well. So uh, if you haven't tried it, if you're listening to this and you have you haven't tried it, and sometimes you cramp up or sweat, definitely advise to take a look at those salt capsules. And, and exactly like Bill was saying, every 30 to 45 minutes an hour into your run, you, you pop one of those. It definitely helps a lot. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were going to also suggest uh, pickle juice there, Chris. So I know that's I know. I love the pickle juice. They have the, the little hot shot pickle juice bottles. So good. I, th- I think at one place they did actually have pickle juice there. Um, oh, I love it. I would have just stayed there. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Uh, Hit me up with another shot. Yeah. yeah the 16 ounce bottle of <laughs> pickle juice. Please. Yeah. They, uh, in oh, a good way for, you know, salt pills and everything. I, I sweat like it's my job when I'm, when it's warm out and I'm out running. Um, but if you come back from a run and your face, you feel, and you can see all the white salt That's and everything me. built up on there, then you probably sweat out a lot of the uh, electrolytes and everything that are in your mm-hmm. body. And those are the people that I totally recommend looking into uh, salt pills. I use salt stick. Um, they make it yep. some with caffeine They make it without caffeine. And I keep a, mm-hmm. just a little baggie of them on me and about every 45 minutes or so pop one of those and it helps uh, replenish those electrolytes. Yeah. Yep. Cause it's too, it's too, if you start cramping up at that point, it's too late. You just got to stretch it out. So, so yep. definitely being diligent about taking them. You're, you're, you're kind of getting in front of some of that uh, chaos that could happen later on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so we've gotten up to, to the suck now. Um, so that's 10, 10 miles of what sounds just a pure terribleness. Um, you know, was there at least decent crowd support and stuff on, on that part of it? Or was it, you know, just kind of in your mind and, and you know, focusing on, you know, 1K a, at a time? Um, I, I hit the point where at the midway point, um, so there was, there was a mat a little bit before the 21st kilometer. And then there was one, I think, right at the 21st kilometer. And my watch went off as well. So I knew I was at 13 miles and I looked down and I saw what my time was and I was right. I was right on the pace that I needed to be um, to hit the 340, which meant I wasn't going to make it. I knew at that point that I still had another seven miles of climbing to go, and I knew that my pace was going to, you know, be behind where I needed to. Um, so I pretty much told myself, I said, okay, I'm not going to make the 340, but I'm still going to be able to PR this thing. My PR before this was like a 357 or 356. Uh, something or other 340 was the goal but I said okay I can still PR this thing and maybe I'll be able to make some time up and then it was really a matter of just um, not giving in to to stopping so the spectators um, just about the same that you had from before you'd have really heavy patches and then some lighter patches Um, but there was always you know you're always looking around and then I eventually just hit the point where I go tunnel vision and I'm I'm looking at the road in front of me and sounds go away for me. I mean, I am I just go pure focus just to, okay, like I said, pull it together and keep climbing the hill. My only goal then was to don't stop running, um, keep moving. And they had some points where you would kind of crest over an area and then they would have a very slight downhill. It, w- it wasn't really slight at all. It was a relatively steep downhill to go under an overpass. So you're really in an underpass at that point. And I looked at it and I said, whatever's on the other, I couldn't see what was on the other side because of the <laughs> highway that was crossing over. And I, and I was running, there was a Brit I was running with. Um, and we looked at it and I said, whatever's on the other side of that thing is going to be gnarly. And sure enough, <laughs> we got to the bottom of it and you just look up and it was just this, oh. this wicked climb. 
And once, once that hit, that's, that, that was the heartbreaker for so many people that were really nugging it out. And then they'd hit that and they just lost the mental game at that point and they would pull back and they just have to walk up. And so I said, all right, I'm just going to suffer, suffer through this, you know, get, Mm -hmm. uh, get through it. And I, I didn't, I didn't walk the entire, you know, 10 mile climb. I was able to, to nugget the whole way out. And there was another one of those underpasses. And I said, okay, now you're just toying with me. And, uh, <laughs> I, I made the, I made the climb all the way up to that it was between 20 and 21 mile point. Uh, but wow. didn't stop. I, I had, I had one slower mile that was above nine. It was a, and I say that in jest, um, it was a nine Oh seven. And that was, you know, at the worst of it where you're just grinding, you know, through these, uh, you, you gain a little bit of time as you're going down the hill, but then, but then it gets you. And uh, like I said, it was a heartbreaker for a lot of people. And it was heat. It was hot at that point too. So people were just, were just falling back quite a bit, which is understandable. I mean, it was a, it was a rough 10 miles to say the very least. What was the minimum pace requirement for this? Like I know Disney is 16 mile minute. Do they have a minimum pace? I honestly don't remember. Um, I think it was actually a little bit more loose than what Disney has mainly because they don't have to open a park um, after the fact. But I mean, there were still people crossing finish lines, you know, seven plus hours into it. Um, And uh, I I don't remember what the minimum was. I'm guessing somewhere around 17 minutes or so uh, probably would have been right about, right about the time, but I don't recall uh, what the exact, uh, minimum pacing was, but I mean, you could, you could get through it. I mean, uh, a buddy of mine, he finished it in right around six and he was never in any threat whatsoever. Okay. So yeah, I mean, they've got a 5k, uh, that was done and, and there was a 10k that was done as well, but those followed different routes and, uh, they honestly, the 5k, I don't think even began until around 15 or, or well, I should say three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. Yep. Yeah. So you're not really competing um, for space on the, the marathon route. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I mean, the, the depressing thing would be that's probably some of those Kenyans are doing the marathon and what some people are doing the 10 K and which is really sad to think about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, good for you, man. That That's pretty impressive. I mean, 10 miles, because you can't, as much as you want to train, you can't really replicate running uphill for 10 miles straight in blazing hot sunlight. Uh, so um that's that's really impressive so congrats just on that you know it, it sounded like you didn't get to the the pr number you wanted but <laughs> i think having 10 miles and not stopping is is probably a better uh accomplishment than than even getting to that pr to be honest with you so uh um, and i mean so, when, when you're yeah. talking numbers like that too it really comes down to it's it's got to be the perfect race if you're going to hit a you know a, a number if it was a flat course i'm certain that i could have made it um, but I mean, there's any little thing. And honestly, when you're, when, when you're in a hard race like that, your mind is constantly on the hunt for a reason to quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, your body can keep going, but your mind is going to, you're going to lose the battle. So like I said, that's why I almost go tunnel vision on a lot of the races I'm doing and just say, okay, get through this thing, keep, keep pushing through. Um, and, and when I say I didn't make the, the final, I, I missed it by you know, a few minutes. So, right, right. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't all that far off because I was able to make some, you know, I hit the, the 20 or 21 mile point and then started that long downhill 
Um, as soon as I started downhill and shifted the muscles over, then my legs started really tightening up on me uh, because I had, I had changed over and I could feel it in my hamstrings from the 10-mile climb, without a doubt. Um, and then from there, yeah, I, I almost wanted to stop and stretch it out. I said, no, I can stretch it out, just maybe run a little goofy for a little bit just to right. you know, stretch, have a long back you know, uh, as you're pushing forward and have your leg go back and try to stretch it out on the move. It was actually, it actually worked out pretty well because I was able to, I went straight from a, from an 858 to a 831, 831. And then after that, it was, you know, 820, then 808, 807, 806, as I just got faster and faster the rest of the way. Because eventually, once I looked and I saw I was at 24 miles, I said, this is easy now. I've got two miles left. Just go. Mm -hmm. And then you're, and then you're running on adrenaline. And um, Mm -hmm. it was yeah, it was uh, pretty good. But like I said, I, I started looking around again and again, still no, no huge landmarks or anything like that. But I was, you know what, I was running through Athens. So wow. that's a landmark. In, that's a landmark in itself. Not too shabby. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, that's an amazing then final, final 10 K. And I, I, I feel like so many times you hear from the, the, the real elite runners. And when you go to the things like, yeah, you know, the race doesn't start till the final 10 K. So it's nice that they at least let that be downhill for you. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. So those final few miles uh, running through Athens, still kind of neighborhoods and what was kind of the, the, was there a big marker that you kind of saw was like, Oh, there's the first, you know, distinguishable historic site or, or anything like that before actually getting to the arena. Uh, probably the, the embassy. Um, okay. we passed that and then, and then as you get closer and closer to the end, then the spectators started really picking up and picking up and picking up. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there were kilometer markers along the way as well. So you'd start saying, okay, I'm getting close. Uh, and then you honestly don't even see the stadium until the last little bit, cause you're running down a road. Now it's, it's fairly heavy with the spectators and they're cheering you on. So that gives you a, a boost. Uh, as well as you continue going forward, um, I was looking at my watch and saying, "Okay, I'm, I'm not hitting the 340, but I'm doing all things considered, I'm doing really, really well." Uh, so then I started feeling better, you know, about myself going into it. And then finally, you see the stadium, and you pretty much almost get parallel to it, and then you make that turn, turn in, and you actually run on the track in the stadium uh, for about the last, for the last, you know. 200 meters or so. Wow. Um, yeah. And then the, the, the spectators in the stadium, I mean, this is a huge, huge, huge stadium. Uh, the spectators are all looking down into you and they're cheering and you've got music blasting and they're, uh, they're calling out names. And it was, uh, it, it was pretty, pretty neat to do that and just kind of look around. Um, a buddy of mine, he was running his first, his first ever marathon and he got into the stadium and he thought he was done. So, so I was, I was videotaping him and he's, he looks around and he was walking and everybody else just kept running by him. And you see him look at like, what are you people doing? And then he saw the finish line was still another couple hundred meters away and he had to start running. That's great. Yeah. Oh man. I really feel, I, I've done a few races where they end on the track and I can wholeheartedly say, I wish that every race finished on the track. You go in there and all of a sudden you just feel like you're, you're going so fast. You got all these fans. It, it's, it's a, an awesome feeling. So uh, that's, that's cool that they kind of finish it that way. Yeah. I, um, I finished up. Uh, I finished my, my final time was a, a 343. Wow. Um, yeah. Bravo. That's yeah. awesome. That wow. is, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Good, it, it good was, on you, man. Good, that's great. It was a good run. Um, 
uh, had some buddies that were only running the 5k. So they were there, they were able to actually videotape me as I was, as I was zipping through. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I, I had to text them after the fact, cause you finish up, uh, one of the things that was very, uh, not frustrating, but I, I just wanted water and I needed, I just like, all right, give me my metal, give me some water and I need to get my life together <laughs> over here somewhere. So I mean, I, <laughs> I got through and it was, you know, in the, the heat of the day at that point, And I just laid down on the ground and left a, a sweat angel, you know, yeah. down on the ground, um, right. got some water in me, had a, I think I had half a banana or something that was around there trying to replenish whatever I could. Um, and, and then they met me around there with some, uh, with some power raid to give me a few more electrolytes, but it took me a good 15 minutes of just laying there after I finally, got through, but you had to walk another two, 300 meters, you know, on the track around before you actually got to where, where everything was, where I was just really hopeful it would be right there. And it, it wasn't. Nice. Well, that's, 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 yeah. One thing I, I, I meant to ask earlier, what, so you mentioned the banana, they had that kind of at the end. Did they have any nourishment along the way on the course? They did. Um, it, it was a, a mixture. They had some fruits. Um, they had, I don't remember if they had bananas on the actual route itself. Uh, they did hand out some goose. Um, I came packing with the majority of what I need. I had tailwind on me, um, mm-hmm. which I prefer the liquid-based uh, nutritions for the most part anyway, because they just absorb uh, so much easier. And I never have to worry about any kind of gastric issues whenever I'm using that. Uh, I did take one goo along the way just to, I don't know, I think it was just to change things up a little bit instead of drinking orange uh, you know, tailwind or something like that. I said, all right, I'll take this one. Um, and, uh, th- there were some nutrition though, just, I've, I'm also a believer, you know, race with what you train with. So I didn't want to mix really anything up and I just stuck mm-hmm. with, with what was working for me. Were there any spectators so, giving out snacks or anything like that? No, not that I recall. No, um, no shots of Uzo or anything oh. like that? Or? No, that's okay. I've had some bad days with Uzo in Greece. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, the Uzo will will sneak up. There's Uzo and there's a, a, a type of Uzo, uh, Chippero or Cipero, and it will it will lay you out. No, 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 no. Just say no to drugs. No. Well, I, I do want to talk about that metal for a second because it was gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah, it was super cool. It, w- it was in the shape of the uh, the stadium itself, the Panathenaic Stadium. And uh, I, I was, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. I, I, I put it in front of the camera now, but we're getting close to leaving. So I already had to ship it home uh, to the wife, but it, uh, it was, it was really neat. And, you know, it, that's, that's the one thing that we'll display is we have a little, you know, like everybody else I know who, who's into racing and stuff, you've got that display hanger of metals yeah. and uh, that one there was a pretty, was a pretty neat one because it came from, you know, the authentic marathon, the, the real one. Well, I'll be sure to grab a copy. I know you posted it in uh, the running club there and I'll, I'll be sure to share that so people can see just how stunning it was. It was, it was, it was a really beautiful medal. Just classic and gorgeous and very nice. Yeah, it wasn't huge. It wasn't overbearing or anything like that. But the significance of it, actually having it after, you know, an ancient landmark was pretty neat. Yeah. Yep. Very yeah, nice. Most people can't, can't, uh, you can't say that about most metal. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
Any, anything else that stood out kind of at the, at the finish area? Um, so they had, you know, bananas, anything else from support or, or, or anything else? Or was it kind of then just off, find, find your, your friends or family and, and be on your way? So one of the things that actually stood out for me is a lot of times, um, a lot of times I'll finish it. Uh, my wife runs uh, as well and she'll do half marathons and other stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, for, for some of these longer races with the marathons or greater, you know, I'm the only one in the family that does it. So I finish it and then you have to, you don't have to, but I, I find myself kind of moving along a little bit maybe quicker than is necessary. Okay. You know, check the block. I completed that race. I've seen everything and now it's time to head to the car. Well, this time here I was waiting. I was the first one in the group to finish. Um, and then I had a good hour and a half after that hour and a half to two hours really of waiting for the rest of my, my friends to come through, uh, finishing the race. So I got to do something that I haven't really done for long periods of time. And that's just sit there at the finish line and watch these people come across. And, um, that it was was actually really really awesome for me because um, to to see what what people are going through it could have been somebody's first marathon or they just were in a struggle bus the entire the entire time and you you see the emotions that some of these people have running that last hundred meters or so um, people just limping and just crawling their way to get across the finish line completely cramped up getting three, four steps of running and then just sobbing and uh, seeing that stuff. And I was, it's, it's a very moving experience to say the least mm -hmm. to, uh, to see what, what these people are putting themselves through and, and how they feel about finishing it. So if, if you've never, and, and it could, I, I'll be honest, it could be with any race. It, it could be anything from a 5k to an ultra marathon easily. A 5k could be the moon for somebody. And, and that's why, you know, I love that a lot of people start off and they, they do, you know, a 5k. I don't, I don't even, I don't even like to call them a shorter race. Cause like I said, that could be, that, that could be the moon to somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, and when yeah. they, when they cross through that distance and they just, they finished, you know, what they came to do, uh, there's a lot of emotion there and it's, yeah. it's a sight to, to behold to say the very least. So that's something that uh, I think I took for granted and uh, to get to actually see people do it was, was really, really neat. That's where you see some true grit, you know? Yeah, you absolutely do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I almost feel like I, I, and it's awesome that you have the ability to kind of loop back and do it. I know for a lot of larger marathons, it's hard to get back to those kind of spectator areas, but I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you, if, if you're blessed with the ability to, to finish earlier than some of the back of the Packers, I think it's, you appreciate just what everyone's going through a lot more if you can get back out there and cheer it on because because we've all been on the struggle bus before and you get to the end and you have more people that have been there and are doing and cheering it just means so much to everyone else and and you know for me seeing those people i think is is even more amazing than, than sometimes finishing it yourself so yeah. i'm glad that you you were able to kind of circle back and do that and what made it even cooler to be honest with you was that it was in the seating of the of the stadium wow. itself. So I'm, I'm sitting in an ancient stadium watching these people finish up in, in the same place as the, the authentic marathon. So, I mean, <laughs> to, yeah, to look around you could climb now, granted, I wasn't climbing up and down the stadium very well at that point. Cause as I, I, my legs were pretty well, you know, shot at that from, from then. But, uh, it was, yeah, it was just super awesome to see it. And I was able to videotape, you know, the other guys coming through, uh, you know, my other buddies coming through one of the guys, it was his first ever marathon and he's, oh, 55, 
Um, and it, he just awesome. now did his first one. And wow. uh, his, his first one was in Athens. So I mean, right. I, how, how do you top that one? Really? Where do you go from there? <laughs> no. Seriously. That's, That's awesome. Well, so, I, um, go ahead. Go ahead, Laura. Well, I've been, I've been keeping, like, I've been jotting down notes, questions to ask, and you've done such a great job. I've been crossing them off because you've been covering it. But you are on a Joyful Miles podcast, so I must ask this. Did you see any runners in costume? I had to ask. Yes. I have to ask. I did, and they are insane because oh. um, they they were dudes that were running it in like Greek sandals, think, um, and and armor and other stuff like that. So start thinking back to you know Thermopylae and and or just think the three hundred. Oh with, my goodness! They were dressed like oh, that, boy. and they were running it in in sandals um holding shields and had their spartan helmets on and everything else like that it was it, and i'm like you guys are nuts um <laughs> now i didn't see many of them crossing the finish line because <laughs> uh, i'm because i'm sure i'm sure they they felt the effects of the uh the armor and the sandals and other stuff like that but i'm i'm also pretty certain that they they did cross the finish line uh it was but yeah, it was it was completely crazy because some of the uh, so, some of the ones that were there because yeah, full blown like Trojan costumes were were there. I had this visual of this like serious race, and all of a sudden now I'm seeing guys in sandals and togas or whatever. That's 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 awesome. Yeah, not, uh, another not, thing the I sandals aren't smart, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, an another thing I saw there that uh, was also really inspiring was per capita. Uh, I, I saw a lot more, and it may have been where I started. Uh, I saw a lot more people that were there pushing wheelchairs and, and other stuff like that as well. Not, not the people doing the wheelchair race. They did have a wheelchair version for them, but people that were pushing, um, you know, think Team Hoyt uh, style uh, races. Uh, there was a lot of them. And uh, if, if, if you're pushing a wheelchair and you're doing that 10-mile climb, I tell you what, you're superhuman. There's uh, there's no doubt about it. So they, uh, my cap's off to them for, for doing that. Absolutely. I, I couldn't even imagine. So quick question then too, I wrote a jot down here. So of all like the, the marathons that you've done, where would this rank as far as being the toughest with that monster hill that you took on there? Uh, probably at the top, if a top one or two, right. without okay. a doubt. Okay. Yeah, I did one. In, I did one in Bowling Green, Kentucky, um, that had much steeper climbs, but they were much shorter uh, to go along with it. Uh, the the other problem with Bowling Green was that it was a looped course, so you did the half marathon twice, and uh, there's a mental game that goes along with that, with how steep some of those climbs were, and and I'm talking 15% grades on it. Um, as you're climbing up, you do it on the half, but then you know when you when every all the half marathon people are continuing forward to go to the finish line and you have to make a left to do the, the full loop again, that you're going right back to those hills. Ah. Uh, there's a mental, there's a mental aspect of it. Uh, at least on this one here, I knew that after I, once I hit that 20, 21 mile point, the hills were done for me. Right. And I could just coast down the hill uh, from then on. But there, there was a mental game to go along with it. But I would say that uh, it was, it was definitely in the top one or two. It is not a, uh, it is not a gimme race whatsoever. You've got, you're working for it. Wow. And yeah. just out of curiosity, how much was registration? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious here. 
I want to. Roundabout. One fifty ish. Okay. Okay. Yeah, ish. I, I think I came to it a little bit late. I don't remember if they have the, uh, you know, the floating timelines. If right. you bird. here, right. Uh, because I came into it and they said, Hey, we're doing it. I had to sign up for that day. It didn't matter what the price was. Okay. Uh, and like I said, it did sell out. So I've already had one, uh, Tim Patton actually wrote out, wrote me and he said, Hey, this, this has now kind of become a bucket list thing. How did you go about doing it? So I sent him the link to the, uh, the marathon site, but you know, anybody that's thinking about doing it, I believe next year they're looking at extending or uh, increasing the okay. amount of participants. However, it did sell out last year. Um, so the other couple guys that were with us that were doing the 5k, that was the only one they could get into, uh, mm. the actual marathon itself sold out. So that is something to think about. If you're gonna, if you're going to do it, I would commit early and guarantee your acceptance into it. Just like Disney stuff. Yeah. You never know. Sometimes, sometimes the dopey is going to sell out like that. Or sometimes the marathon is going to just sell out super fast. Yeah. Uh, you really can't tell when, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah. That's what we always say. If you really want to do it, sign up. Don't wait. Yeah, absolutely. No guarantees. That's all. That's all I got, Chris. You guys did a fantastic right. job. <laughs> That's pretty <really laughs> good. So, so uh, then the the two last questions out of ten, what would you give a, a rating for this this race? Um, I'd say about a seven. Um, the, there's definitely some things that they could work on. Like I said, the bathrooms. Uh, if they're increasing people, they need to they they need to consider a logistics increase as well. Um, by probably 1.5 the, the water points and everything like i said with full bottles of water they're great uh, they can definitely be cumbersome because the runners are carrying a full bottle of water and then what do you do with said bottle of water it ends up on the road and now you've got not now you've got some unforeseen hazards either whether it be with puddles that you weren't expecting or yeah. you know just tripping over a uh, a water bottle because eventually you're just launching half half full water bottles uh logistics wise they've got some uh, some some work to do. Um, the the routing, I'm very happy that the routing followed the Olympic route. But somebody that's going there thinking that they're going to see lots of, um, you know, major historical landmarks, you're you're not going to see that as much. Um, I'm I'm happy that the the course was as difficult as it was because when when you finish something like that, it's just that much more accomplishment. But there's a there's there's definite room for improvement. But uh, at this, like I said, at the same time, you're you're running in Athens and you're doing that original, the the original one. So that does play a very, uh, you know, a very big, you know, part in in what I think of the race itself. Awesome. Awesome. Um, any any celebratory meals? Did you guys go out and 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 do it up after to to celebrate the five Ks, the first time fulls, and all that stuff, or? Uh, no, not like we should. Um, uh, the next day we actually had a pretty good, uh, um, uh, hero and, uh, that, that was about it. We're, 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 we're all pretty shot. Uh, our body started cooling down and it took us a really long time to get out because they do close down a lot of the, uh, the roads and everything. So it took us a while to actually get going and get out of there just to, we were able to Uber back to the Airbnb, but we had to walk another mile and a half, two miles to get to a point where we could even get to it to to a link up point and then they had to drive us pretty much around the city to go just another couple miles two three miles away from where we were staying so it, it took a while to get back and after that we were we were pretty shot so we didn't uh we ate and everything but i mean, it was probably a lot of, it was a lot of leftover pizza and more pizza and other stuff like that and the next day we were getting on the road pretty quickly to to start heading back to germany 
Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been been great, and I know this is definitely on the the probably top top ten list for me of of races that I'd like to do, even in spite of uh, that hill, uh, but just because of the history. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was pretty awesome. Uh, I was I was glad that I was able to do another marathon while I was uh, while I was gone. Like I said, I've got a big year uh, coming up in 2019, uh, and they're all ultras. So uh, wow. everything. So really, it was a good way for me to keep. I've got to have a goal in mind. So doing this race here, you know, helped me keep plugging those miles in. But uh, uh, this is the year of the hundred miler. So. <gasps> Yeah. yeah, you're you're definitely coming on to talk about that because you're like the only person we know who is ever going to do one. Yep. <laughs> we want to hear all about that. When is that one, yeah. Bill? Uh, that one is in September. Okay. Um, okay. So right after I get back, I've got I've got a 50k in April. Um, shortly after I get back, I'm looking at maybe doing another 50k in June. Then I've got the Never Summer 100k. Uh, so that's 62 miles. That one's in July. The Pikes Peak Marathon in August. So you run from pretty much uh, the bottom up. You go to the top of Pikes Peak, and that's half of the marathon. And then you run back down. And then Run Rabbit Run is the 100-mile there I'm doing. They're they're all in in uh, in Colorado. So uh, it's it's honestly not the distance that's as daunting. Run Rabbit Run has 23,000 feet of climbing in it. True. So yeah, that yeah. one's gonna be uh, that, that one's gonna be a swift kick in the pants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good no. luck. I'll be cheering yep. for you from home. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well. Uh, well. Thank you, Bill, for for being on, and and thank you, Laura, for letting me sit in the host chair for a little bit. Um, okay, if you anyone did a great has job. any, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be kicked out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and thank you to if, baby uh, Luca. If you could hear that. Yeah, I know he's starting yeah, to get a little, he's been a little, a uh, little finicky. But if, if anyone has any questions for Bill about this race, uh, escapades around Europe, or just insanity that it takes to try and run a hundred miles, um, stop on over to the Joyful Miles uh, Facebook group. And uh, aside from this, there's lots of inspiration and motivation for anyone running a one mile, five k, hundred miles, whatever you're doing. And I know. Princess Half is almost uh, right right around the corner, so lots of talk going on with that, and then obviously Star Wars, and and so come on over and join the conversation. Oh, Luca. <laughs> you can't say and one of the things too, a trooper. Yeah. yeah, one of the things, too, you know, Chris talked about it. Um, I've, I've gotten a lot of experience in traveling around Europe now. Um, if, if people have questions about about stuff like that, I can kind of tell them how I was able to go about it. But I mean, I've, I've gone by planes, trains, and automobiles uh, all over the continent. So learned a lot along the way. If people have questions about that, or if they have questions about the race, if they hear this and they want to go do the Athens uh, authentic marathon or something like that, just shoot me a, shoot me a message. I'm, I'm more than happy to, uh, to help people. Cause it is really, it is a really cool, cool race to do to come back and say, you, you did that one in particular, you did the original uh, marathon. So anybody that has questions, please reach out to me and, and I'll be as quick as I can in replies. Well, you, they can find you at uh, one mile, no sweat. Correct. Uh, on, yeah. On Instagram. Correct. That's my, my Instagram or if they write me on, uh, uh, just on the joyful miles club. Um, I haven't been able to do videos or anything like that much since I've been here. Um, mainly because Jeez, I wonder why. Work schedule. 
Yeah, yeah. You'll it's it's definitely been busy. All right. Well, I will put links to both in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for being on, Bill. We truly, truly appreciate it. Um, I know Jackie was sorry to miss this chat because it's been amazing. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Um, but, but thank you everyone for tuning in and, and uh, checking us out. If you have a second, we would truly appreciate it if you could um, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It does help us grow. Like Chris already said, pop on over to the Joyful Mouse Running Club, YouTube channel, whatever. We're all over the place. It's just easier to say that. <laughs> so for Jackie, myself, Chris, and Bill, thank you so much. And as always, take care and have a joyful day. Chris, are you going to be able to, do you have a second to, to sing us out here with baby Luca? Of course. Awesome. <laughs> joyful Mouse. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was perfect.